What's up, race fans, and welcome to another episode of the Piscino Report. This is season 2021, episode 17. It's the John McPhee episode, that Cami Moto 3 rider. Uh, so we're in the middle of a holiday and we don't really have any live racing to talk about. So we thought we'd bring you a, a wonderful special. We've been promising to do this for a long time. We've got a fantastic special guest for you today. Before we get to that, I'll just quickly hand over to my co-host, Andra. Andra, how are you doing with no racing? What have you been up to? I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing. <laughs> I was even, there was one guy at work today. He works in our IT department. I know that he watches the races every now and then. Yeah. I had him bailed up for about 15 minutes. Just listen to me talk crap about all this today. I could see he was trying to like back away. But I'm like, no, stay and talk. You were, you were talking at him. <laughs> I was. I really, Indeed. really was. Wonderful. And uh, El Jefe, how are you doing, boss? You, I'd like to say you're on holiday, but from the conversation we just had before, I think you've got more work now than you ever have before. Well, luckily, I have much more work than before than last year. Luckily, <laughs> yes, I am. Look, uh, I would like to have 36 hours days, you know, because I have so much things going on inside my brain that I yeah. need a lot of hours to Or a clone. Up. Can you imagine a twin Manuel? Oh, I'm sure <laughs> there's a few ladies around the world who will be very happy with that. Well, my life would be easier, for sure. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And no, uh, no, uh, go on. Sorry. Let me, let me explain you one article I am writing about yep. that I think is very interesting. It's about the strange nationalities that have raced in the World Championship. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Because I, don't, I, I think that only the super hard, hard the, you know, the hard mm. cores of motorcycle uh, yep. know, for example, that there have been Russians racing in the championship Crazy with their Russians. own bikes, with their own bike called Vostok. <laughs> the Vostok. And, <laughs> Vostok. And in the times of the Iron Curtain, also yep. Cubans. Cubans raced with these bikes. So there's a lot of a big story going on with this. And I will surprise people because I got uh, fo uh, photos of these guys, pictures, oh, cool. black and white, of course. Yep, yep. And it's very funny because all the helmets were just, I think, in the photos, they look like gray yep. and with a big red star in the front. Ah, yeah, there's the target. There you go. There it is. Now we look forward to seeing that one coming out on uh, on PacinoGP.com soon, mate. Definitely. So uh, yes. look, look, let's 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 kick off. And uh, without further ado, it's a warm welcome to our wonderful special guest. It's uh, it's Neil, Mister Neil Bedhead Morrison himself. <laughs> How are you doing, Neil? You look like you just got out of bed there, mate. How's your holiday treating you? It's treating me pretty well. Yeah, I'm still basking in the, the warm glow of uh, last night's football result. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> oh, uh, it's it's a bad line. It's a bad line. You you you're cutting out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I may have just uh, you know, kind of tumbled out of bed. Hence the uh, the kind of wayward hairstyle. No, I think you're, we'll we'll let you off this time, mate. You've you've been a very very busy boy along with the rest of the uh, the paddock over the last few months. So we'll definitely give you we'll we'll give you that one. So what have you been doing to keep yourself busy uh, this this last week or so, mate? Relaxing, really. I mean, the COVID situation in Barcelona at the moment is kind of out of control. Um, mm -hmm. So when I came back from the Netherlands, um, my flatmate had uh, got COVID, so I couldn't come yeah. home for about a week, and yep. then. Midway through last week, I had uh, yeah close contact with a, a friend who had also got COVID, so I had to isolate for uh, five or six days. So it's been fun and games, basically. Um, I'm sure it's kind of the same back in the UK at the moment, from what I hear. Um, oh, but yeah, man. things are 
a wee bit a wee bit nervy here. Yeah, it's you don't want one to step go forward, to two steps cases. back, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, huh? But other than that, just yeah, relaxing basically, recharging nice. the batteries. So you can't get to the shop to buy a razor. <laughs> That's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be nice with so, oh, I'd grow. I'd grow that too if I could. Who says you can't? Okay, I'll give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, so we've got Neil on uh, on today. So we're, we're we're hoping that we can uh, we can wind him up and let him go along with Manuel. We want to have a special where we talk specifically about Moto Three and Moto Two. There's been some absolutely amazing racing, uh, and we know there's just as much news and just as much things going on. So. Uh, so first of all, Neil, like, what's your um, appraisal? We'll start with Moto3. What's your appraisal of the season so far in Moto3? How do you think things have been going? I think it's basically all been about one man. Um, and uh, yeah, like Pedro Costa, I think, is the, the kind of new sensation in racing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty wonderful watching a guy who's so young, um, seems so fully formed uh, in, you know, the first half of his rookie season. Mm. Uh, numerous occasions that we've seen him just ride like one of the more experienced guys in the class. Um, and yeah, you, you definitely get the feeling that this is the start of like a, another brilliant career. Um, and it's, yeah. you feel kind of almost quite privileged to see these, uh, these opener moments. I have a, a similar sort of feeling like I had when, you know, when Mark Marquez started yep. uh, winning races in one two fives when Vinales started doing the same thing a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, were they, so were that, they as exciting as, as him? Or do you th- I don't think so. you reckon he's Not this early? I don't think okay. so. No, I think he seems definitely more fully formed um, than both of those guys at this stage, you know? Um, so that has been, that's been pretty, pretty ridiculous. And from what we're hearing, he's going to Moto2 next year. So he'll be, yep. you know, doing that pretty rapid uh, ascension through the classes. So, mm. I mean, Manuel, you, you, you must be happy because Spain looks like they've got another superstar that could dominate. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and, and I think, I don't, I think I don't, I don't know if you agree, but the difference, because when Mark was in 125, what was special in him was he was super brave. You know, he was very brave. He was a very, very small guy and uh, he crashed a lot. He broke uh, legs, but he's uh, being so brave was something and fast, of course. Mm. That was something impressive. With Pedro Acosta, he's different because he does things different. You know, it's it's not, he's, uh, he's fast, but when you see him riding, he does the things different than all the rest. And yep. this is something that even has attracted the attention of the big riders. When if, uh, we have asked uh, Mark about him, we have asked Morbidelli and all the riders, and they all say the same. He does things different. And, and in, in Mark's uh, words, he said, look, he will win the championship this year and he will be in MotoGP sooner than later. Yeah. Is Mark's word. So, so do you think he's going to be like a few of the other ones, like one year in Moto3, one year in Moto2, and straight into MotoGP? Or do you think he'll hold in Moto2 for a few years to consolidate? Uh, I think he's so young. I don't know if he's 16 or 17, Neil. I exactly 17 now? Yeah. 17. Mm-hmm. So why hurry? You know, why hurry? Yes, that, I, yeah. yeah, but... But on the other side, I have spoken with riders, ex-riders, you know, that have a different vision than us. And they say he's losing mm. his time in the lower categories. Mm. Push him up immediately. And he's you bigger, know? isn't he? Like he's growing. He's obviously quite big for his age too. So he needs to. I, I, isn't he a bit see, bigger I don't than... think so. 
No, I don't think. I so thought he was a bit tall. taller than some. Is he Neil? By Model Three standards, you would say he's bigger than average for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's not, he's not huge just yet. But um, but yeah, he's um, he's certainly like a, a kind of well built uh, guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just what what Mamo was saying there. You, um, I think, like in terms of his riding style, he's already in some ways like doing things that are that are being followed by some of the other guys in Moto3, um, how he brakes, how he's able to turn the bike so well um, yeah. when he's braking. And um, also just you see a lot of the Moto3 guys and they come into the class and they have a bit of success and there's lots of posing, there's lots of photos on Instagram, they're looking at how their hair is, the opposite of me, obviously. Uh, and Pedro <laughs> just seems to be you know, the complete opposite of that. He doesn't really engage in social media. Um, Akiayo was saying a few weeks ago that um, he spoke to him after uh, the Doha GP, you know, the, the race that he won after starting from Pitlin. And he said, so I guess you've probably been pretty busy the last week, you know, how's it been? And Pedro just said, ah, well, it's not been that busy actually, because I, I changed the SIM card on my phone and I deleted my Instagram account and, oh, you know, I just, I focused on I training. Just, oh, and boy. I was just thinking like, this is not your average teenager mm-hmm. um, in how he's dealing with success. So, um, I think he's definitely got the, I mean, it's clear he's got the talent, but it seems that he has the mindset he knows and mm. he can he can differentiate what's really important in getting the best from himself um, in a competitive sense. So yeah. I think I think when you hear things like that, you think this guy's going going far. How's his um, yeah. teammate dealing with his success? Yeah, I mean, not too not too well, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My favorite. <laughs> We've we've spoken about that a few times. We've uh, we've we've had a few words about Massia here on the on the show a few times, and he's he's like Ped, uh, Pedro clearly in in his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got to look at Massia's recent record. I mean, it's been mm. it's been pretty shocking. It's a shame um, because he. I thought he was. I've actually got a piece of paper stuck on my fridge on who I think is going to win the top two riders for each grade, and mm-hmm. I shouldn't share oh. it because it's probably really embarrassing. But I actually, as much as I. <laughs> Don't, he's not. I'm not a huge fan of Massey. I've got him written up there, but he's yeah, he's psychologically really struggling with this rookie yeah, that's come that's through, right. and he's not the number one. The, the, an important thing, important something significant is that uh, Pedro's manager is the same that uh, Lorenzo Jorge Lorenzo's manager, and mm-hmm. the one who, who manages Jorge Martin as well. So he's uh, the manager is a guy who knows how to move in the paddock and mm. find good places for his rider. In the case of Acosta, look, I think hearing what the riders say and seeing what he does on the track, you know, I can imagine perfectly that big factories are already trying to hire him in the future. If, oh, I, were, really? if, if I were Honda, I would have done a, con- a contact Immediately, already. They've got to prize them away from KTM first, don't they? Yeah, but they have a clause. I think in KTM, and this uh, Neil probably knows better than me, all the riders have a clause, right? Jorge Martin, for example, had to pay half a million to get uh, rid of that contract so he could switch to Ducati. And all these have... uh, In fact, all the contracts have a clause that to break the contract, you have to pay. Yep. You know, but... uh, what uh, Dorna is trying to avoid is a kind of a war in this, you know, respect mm. 
when a rider has a, is in a fa another factory just approaching when his contract is finishing, not in the middle of the contract. Yep. Do they listen? I think so. Yeah. Because okay. if not, it will be a mess. They don't try to just get it because they've got to get that edge, obviously, because like you said, there's going to be so many people chasing certain riders. Or is it more once they start fighting, it's about money and what they're going to the bike they're going to give them? I think that will, they would destabilize all the system, you know, because okay. imagine yeah. if the middle, like what happened with Raul Fernandez? That was the big example. He got an offer from Yamaha, big offer, interesting mm -hmm. offer. He got a big offer from Aprilia while he was riding in, in, in this season. Mm. Yeah. You know, a two years contract in Yamaha plus one, <clears throat> direct factory contract, something that not even Morbidelli has. In Aprilia, the same. They told him two years contract plus one. So at the end, KTM went to Carmelo, to Dorna and said, look, we spent so much money in bringing up these guys. We yep. paid the rookies cup. We have our own bike in Moto3, mm -hmm. you know? And mm. so for them, so Back at off. the end, <laughs> a kind of gentleman agreement imposed by Dorna, I, I would say. Yeah, yeah, indeed. That's. I just want to pick up on on what you guys were saying there about about the bikes in Moto Three. We see, like, for 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 me, I'm I'm just an average layman. I'm I'm not a professional by any standards when it when oh, it comes you're a to motorcycle racing. Casino report. <laughs> oh, stop it! And 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 Andrew's definitely a, a, a lay person as well. Oh, I get it. So, yeah, I see what you did there. Um, for for the for the guys that are that are watching Moto Three on the on the TV, like like us, week in week out, we see the KTM's up the front every week. We see teams like Leopard that have that have been fast the whole time. What? Why have they got gotten so dominant in Moto Three? Is there is there that much variation between engines and chassis, or is it is it really tightly controlled? I mean, I would say that uh, all the bikes in Moto3 are pretty evenly matched. Um, yeah. You just look at even some of the some of the lesser teams, some of the teams that you know are, are, are less well funded, um, nowhere near kind of factory level. You think like the CIP team that uh, you know in recent years McPhee has ridden for, Darren Binder's ridden for, uh, Kaito Toba this year's riding for. I mean, those guys have all been on the podium on like basically mm -hmm. the what you would think would be the, the kind of the, the poorest bike on the grid. Yep. Um, and it used to be that there was some variation between, you know, the Honda and the KTM, but I think now they're both slightly different, obviously, but um, I think they have, they are, are really evenly matched in terms of top speed. And you just have to look at the racing. I mean, it's so rare that we ever see guys breaking away at the front. Um, and I think one of the, the reasons for that is because we just have such a, a kind of parody, like all the bikes are more or less the same. And it's becoming quite difficult, as we've seen in certain races, for those, riders those, to make the difference. Those yeah. Leopard bikes are on the straight, to me, are like a Ducati and MotoGP. They just blitz them every they time. They always seem to have so much more top end. Yeah, they've got, I, I don't know, you, I mean, it's clear that some guys, um, some other teams are slightly suspicious of what Leopard does, because I think it was last year, Sky Racing lodged a protest. Um, yeah. Um, where they asked basically the, the kind of the uh, the technical people at Dorna the, at the FIM to check the bike and make sure that everything was mm. completely legal because they were sure that there was something yeah. not quite right going Matthew on. Open up the engine was it just absolutely make sense. killing it yeah. last year. Yeah, 
but um, but they, they haven't found anything illegal. So um, you have to maybe put that down to just know-how and experience. I mean, Christian Lundberg, the technical director there, is he's a guy that's been around for a long time, and um, you know he's he's had some world champions in his time. So mm. yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a mystery. Interesting because they've it, even it, had different has, riders. So it has not been only this year where this bike has been uh, controlled by by the organization it's every year is the same and they never find anything yeah so mm. it's down what to nielsen probably christian lung 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 how do you say lundberg lundberg he is kind of a wizard with this bike clearly he knows how to get the, the best out of the engine for sure um all right i have wonderful. one question yeah. for neil sorry Go sorry yeah one no you, you for neil uh the fact that uh, Moto3, somebody who classifies, uh, qualifies 15th, can win the race, isn't that a sign that the category is too, uh, too equal? I mean, not selective. Mm -hmm. The bike are too, they are not challenging so that almost 15, 20 riders can win a race. So in, in, in Moto3, it's funny because qualifying is not that important. We have seen Acosta winning starting from the pit lane. Mm -hmm. And we have seen in the past riders starting 15, 14th and winning races. Don't you For think changes that- changes on Moto3, the last straight, <laughs> like massive. Yeah, no, but the thing is that, and it makes difficult to, to real, realize apart from some like Pedro Costa, who is the fast rider who isn't? Because yeah. everyone is capable to win. So I don't know if you, if you agree with me that the bike should be more difficult to ride to make a kind of selection. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think this is a thing that, that you, you obviously have noticed. And I think that a lot of Moto3 team bosses have noticed. I, I even think the FIM stewards are, are, are aware of this and mm. that, something might have to change in the formula in the next decade, just because, I mean, first of all, um, it's not always safe. We saw that in, in Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, that was just a horrible kind of race, even though it was ridiculously exciting. It was terrifying to watch. And there were so many near misses in that race that I, I kind of lost count. Um, and then also it doesn't necessarily reward the guys that have done the best work over the weekend. Mm. And I know it shouldn't always be the case. There should always be a degree of unpredictability in racing and that's one of the reasons why we why we like it it's one of the reasons why we love model three but um yeah you do feel that the riders that have perhaps worked on worked in the right way through free practice should be rewarded more often uh on sunday because it, there are times where it is just a complete lottery um it's like taking some random names out of the hat and, mm. and just saying okay this guy's the winner um i think i was speaking to akiyo a few weeks ago in germany about this and he was saying that, you know, that these little Moto3 four-stroke 250cc bikes, they're so forgiving that when you make a mistake, basically you're not punished. It, the old 125s, if you made a mistake, you would crash or mm, you would yep. run off it's track. Off. Basically, yep. Yeah, your race would be ruined. But on these bikes, you make a mistake and, okay, you drop maybe five or six places, but you can make that up in a couple of laps. But then I guess Is the it, fact that it's the third grade, that to me sounds okay because it's yep. it's a learning and it's it's part of those steps up to the higher level so you don't really want people to fall off because they make a little mistake do you, you want them to but shouldn't sure, they be sure. doing that in like national cups though not not the moto Bravo. the global yes, cup to, on the rookies cup this is the world championship here is the mm, top true. you know to, 
to learn, you have other categories and the rookies cup to learn. And look, an example is I don't remember, I don't even remember the last world champions in Moto3. I think one was De La Porta, no? De yes. La Porta. I you think, only started watching it one, this year, didn't you, Manuel? And the only one is the Spaniard who was last year, who was, who's the Arenas. Arenas, okay. Both yeah. of them. They have disappeared in Moto2. Yeah. They don't exist. Yeah. Hmm. It was like, you know, in the past when a world champion stepped up, he was a world champion. His level was, you know, in the following category. Okay, mm. as a rookie, but was at the, but De La Porta and Arenas, mm. they have completely vanished, you know? Yep, MIA. Yeah, we'll talk about them yeah. a little while when we get to Moto2, definitely. Um, just, just want to dig a bit deeper, Neil, into what you were just saying about, we were talking a little bit about, the exciting racing, but the, the safety-related uh, stuff that's going on. It has been quite concerning this year. Obviously, there was there was the tragedy earlier this year, and then we followed that up um, you know, a few weeks ago with, uh, with with Pedro spending the night in hospital as well. And then we had all this yeah, ridiculousness about the guys still trying to get a quali lap in when, they'd, when they'd gone through, through the checkered flag already. And we had guys slowing down on the penultimate corner on the last lap. Where does it end, mate? Like, the, the, you know, the... The, the, the guys are clearly trying to legislate the way into into being sensible, but it's clearly not working. Where, where does it end? What, how do you think they, they fix this? Um, I think they've tried to, you know, they've started making some steps to try and fix it since that race in Barcelona, where they basically say, like, right, any sort of irresponsible riding is immediately met with a, a tougher, harsher penalty. Mm. So we saw that with Darren Binder in qualifying, I think, in, at the Saxon Ring. He was handed a ride-through mm. uh, penalty for uh, crashing on his outlap. He crashed into uh, another rider. Um, and then what we had, I think, what, five riders in the Aston race have ride-through penalties. Yep. And obviously we know that, that that's a, even tougher than a pit lane start. You know, that does ruin your race. I think Jalamassu yeah. is one of them. So I think this is this is what we're going to see. Um, and if it continues, we're going to see some disqualifications, I think, just mm. from the, the event outright. Um, yeah. But then, you know, uh, you think, okay, they've got this under control, just hand out tougher penalties like they did in Germany. But yep. then there was the, in one of the, the free practice sessions at, at Assen where it was just idiotic what some of the teams and riders were yeah. doing waiting until right right until the end and they missed the, they missed the uh the kind of the, the cutoff point to set another fastest lap and then they're all riding like stupid after that it was just a mess you know um yep. so it's uh you know i think the riders you know they're obviously young and they're like so eager and they're super like charged up but i also think that some teams might need to take a little bit of responsibility for this and yeah. educate mm -hmm. them in a way where they're not asking them to go out at the end of sessions and push like hell. But this mm -hmm. is another thing, which is maybe a problem with the formula. Like, um, again, Akiyo was telling me that uh, he was like, how can you say to a rider, if he knows at certain tracks that he's going to gain one to 1.5 seconds by getting a good toe, mm -hmm. how are you going to tell a rider that wants to always see his name mm -hmm. number one, not to do that. I mean, yeah. so there has to be some kind of formula where there cannot be such big gains from slipstream, you know, because that the riders are always going to take advantage of any opportunity they can get, because that's just the nature of, of being, you know, in this competitive environment. Um, you mentioned Darren Binder before. I think I talk about him every week because I just want to cry and swear and 
everything for the couple that he's having he a was shit run dirty last like, week, wasn't he? is he just unlucky is he making lots of mistakes is he being made an example of um yeah i think he's i think he's he has been unlucky i think the the mm. penalty in germany was a bit a bit too much in my opinion but mm. i can understand where where they were coming from mm. he's been unlucky in that you know he was taken out at the last corner in Hareth. You know, but then there, there have been a few mistakes there as well. Mm. Um, but even so, that three, that three places he dropped <laughs> was it? Did he go oh, out yeah. of track limits a couple of times? I thought it was yeah, only twice, the one. Yeah. Oh, okay, they drop. It was like drop him, drop him. It's like come yeah. on, like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they. I think he. I think he did it twice at, at, on the last lap at Assen, and that's mm. why he had to drop the okay. three places. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, Darren's one of the guys where I expected him to be. He's riding there, hard. Him, yeah. He's riding really hard. Yeah. But I think, you know, Acosta has just, you know, raised the level so much that Clearly. these guys just can't deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems uh, like the only yeah. guys that can get anywhere near him are Garcia and Foggia at the moment. And, and that's, you know, they're, they're still just racing for second most of the time, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think Garcia has been pretty impressive. He's managed to get some consistency together. Yeah. Foggia was always like a total enigma in that he would be fast at one place, but then nowhere for three weekends and you wouldn't mm. see him. But mm-hmm. if you look at the last four weekends, he's actually been there on each occasion. I think he yeah. scored yeah. three points in that time. He's clearly fast. He's on the fastest bike in the grid. Um, so I think Foggia is maybe a guy that could come into contention in the second half of the season, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, he still remains something of a of a mystery uh, in why he just can't show that magic more often. Exactly. By the way, I would like to 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 add my opinion about this um, crazy races in Moto Three. Okay, mm-hmm. look, I think the format is not the problem because we see in the Rookies Cup they race like the, like the Moto Three do. I mean, race in in groups one. Uh, behind the other, you know, one mm-hmm. wheel attached to another wheel, and in and although some issues happened, but in in uh, the rookies cup, you don't see dangerous situations like you see Moto Three, in my opinion. Yeah. And in my opinion, the reason is because the riders certain sure get taught how to race before the race. You know, one thing is close racing. Another thing is dangerous racing. Mm-hmm. And in the Rookies Cup, you don't see dirty actions. And I think that's because the people who run this championship explain the riders very well how to race. And properly, and it's easier because it's just one owner of this championship. Yep. There, for sure, there are rules. If you are dirty, you will not race the next race. Mm-hmm. You know, they. this is my opinion because close racing is not the problem. The problem is how yeah. the riders race. Yeah, it seems in yeah in the Rookies Cup, like you say, they've got a bigger stick because they've, uh, the, you know, Red Bull have, have gone and taken all of these young lads from their, you know, various championships or, or wherever they're racing and they've given them this opportunity and made, and they're thankful for this opportunity. And so, as you say, it's, they can sit all the riders down and just go, this is the rule, this is how it is. If you don't like it, then you're out for a week. Whereas it seems possibly in Moto3, do you think those guys have got more of an ego because, and, and they're just they're within their own little little team? Do you think that's, that's a factor? I think, I think that 
uh, I think Neil mentioned it sideways, you know, uh, the thing is that many team owner, manager, they say something public and then they tell the riders to act differently. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is that the, the penalty until now was so nothing that it was yeah. worth to try Best to make, uh, because the penalty, you go, yeah, three position backs, mm -hmm. mm. nothing in the race. That means nothing, you know? And yep. the first ones who to set, to tell his, uh, his riders, like Neil said, to tell his rider, hey, wait for somebody if you get penalized. Okay, you, yeah. by waiting, by waiting, maybe you can do a front row mm -hmm. and then you get three, three position backs, but by no waiting, maybe you qualify 15 understand exactly. so it's yep. worth it was worth uh, worthy until now so mm. the thing is to be really harsh on the penalties imagine for example if you after a rider getting two yellow cards he uh, is um, how do you say punished not to race in the next grand prix yep. this is a big problem for the team the team mm. has to find another rider the big team has problems with, with the, for the sponsor so it will hurt when the manager get affected, yeah, not the yeah. riders. Exactly, exactly. All right, so look, to, to wrap up the Moto3 um, conversation, Neil, what, uh, obviously, we, we, you know, we, we're all saying that Pedro is going to win the championship this year and, you know, barring anything crazy happening, because huh, nothing ever crazy ever happens in Moto3. <laughs> um, that's, that's probably going to be the case. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you think we're going to see for the, for the rest of the year as far as his competition? And uh, do you think it will be a case of Garcia and Foggia? Or do you think we're going to see your Binders and your McPhee step up later in the season? Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely going to we'll have, we'll have to see something from Darren and from John. And I think from Massey as well. I mean, they're, they're just uh, those guys are too good um, mm. to to not really feature at the front in Model 3 at the moment. So, yeah, I think Pedro's going to see more variety, but then I think this is why things work out well for him because he's managed to get a pretty nice buffer at the front of the of the championship. I think he's, what, 48 points ahead at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, his lead has kind of been around 51, 53 points for, well, forever, basically since Jerez. And the, the thing in Model 3, as we all know, is that it's so varied that it's really difficult for the likes of Garcia to put together three wins. You know, Garcia is going to be first, then he's going to be fifth, then third, then first. You know, as long as the cost is just there in the top six constantly, yeah. it's going to be really difficult for those guys to make consistent inroads on his, on his lead. Um, and Acosta has proved capable of being fast and fighting at the front everywhere. Um, I mean, if you take, uh, take away <clears throat> the France race, which was in... Um, the wet conditions yep. and he crashed in those conditions i think the furthest he has finished mm -hmm. from the winner is like i don't know eight tenths of a second mm -hmm. so he's always even when he hasn't been winning or on the podium he's been right there in the fight and it's just mm -hmm. maybe been uh, one or two overtakes on the last lap that haven't really worked in his favor that is his yeah. is back so i i think yeah i think he's i think he's in a really really strong position um uh, at the moment i can't see anyone yeah overhauling them yep yep fair enough and uh, before we do move on to moto 2 did you notice joel kelso in the last few races because you know speaking of of aussies in there as well there's now an aussie in moto 3 <laughs> i did what? yes uh got the chance to speak to joel <laughs> Manuel's like, uh, who? What? <laughs> <laughs> yep 
he seems like a nice, nice kid, fast kid. Um, I think you looked at his progression in um, Germany. He was like four seconds off in the first session, but by warm-up, he was maybe one second off. So, yeah. you know, there was clear progression there. And then he actually qualified quite well in Australia. I think he was inside the top 20, which was a pretty good feat. He got hit with a ride-through penalty, though, which was, that kind of ruined his race. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he, I was speaking to him, he said he's, he's set himself up in Mallorca. Uh, he's working with Joanne Mears, trainer. So, yep. you know, he's in the right environment. He's working with the right people. And, he, he, you know, it's his intention to get into the into the World Championship next year. So, yeah, maybe we'll see more of Joel in 2022. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Let's let's keep an eye out, ear out for that name, definitely. Um, right. So, Moto2. Oh, it, again, it's all about KTM in Moto2. It's exactly the same. It's, it's the Remy and Raul show. Um, what do you, what's your uh, what's your thoughts about what you've seen so far in Moto Two? Besides, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as as you say, it's it's all been about two guys, um, yeah. and no one no one else can really live with him at the moment. Um, I don't know what um, Akiyo has done, but the, I mean, clearly that team has found the the magic formula, mm. magic setting with uh, with both of those bikes, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think both of them are at a level where they're they're kind of pushing each other on to even greater speed and you know Raul's sort of thinking like okay this guy's much more experienced but his natural ability his natural speed means that he's there and Remy obviously is responding to that because he can have like some rookie teammate come in and beat him from the off mm. um I mean yeah it's ridiculous like if Raul hadn't crashed out of the the race in Germany they would have had Five, yeah, I have to count here. Yeah, five straight one-two finishes, which is just yes. unparalleled, really, and unheard of in Model Two. So, yeah, that I team mean, spirit, like you mentioned, Neil, like we were talking about Massia and um, Pedro before, but yeah, like I feel like these guys are pushing each other. Rather, they're obviously competing, but they are boosting each other rather than trying to grip each other up. Seemed, yeah, <laughs> seems that way at the moment. Yeah, maturity. Yeah, they, they seem to be, yeah. Yeah, they seem to be getting on. Wait till we well get to the end of the season, see how, how good they are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. Exactly. You yeah, will see well this moment. friendship will go to. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Oh, they're we obviously have... still trying to better it, but they're they're not yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Neil, we uh, we've interviewed Remy a couple of times. He's a, he's a good friend of the show. And um I don't remember if it's the first or the second time we spoke to him. Um we were we were talking about about that killer instinct. <laughs> And um, the, the comment from, from Remy was, was gold. It was something along the lines of you have to be ruthless enough to, what was it, run over your own granny and then go back and kick her in the head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, one of my favourite quotes of the season actually was um, it was after the French Grand Prix and someone asked Remy, like, you've been so consistent recently. Like, what, you know, what kind of, what changed or what happened to you that, that caused you to sort of rein it in and become more consistent? And he just said... Flying through the air at 250 k's per hour. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I love the Aussie accent, mate. That was a good one. That was very good. <laughs> my, fa- my favourite Remy was not even a comment, was when they um, he won his first race of the season and he gave this big, long spiel about it. And then he went, oh, I'm, what did he say? I'm speechless. I'm lost, I'm, or I'm lost, lost for words. words. Yeah. <laughs> and he just <laughs> talked. Long. Just talk Simon Crafar's ear off. Yeah, yeah, that was wonderful indeed. Bloody legend. Um, yeah, in, indeed. So yeah, it's it's definitely it's all about um, yeah, Remy and Raul, and again KTM. The, the, yeah, they, they've they've got something uh, something in the in the water down there in uh, in Austria. Clearly, 
Um, but I mean, outside of that, again, you know, we've got some good friends of the show that we do talk to. And the one that I really wanted to have a chat with you about primarily is uh, poor old Sam Lowe's. Like if you'd have, if you'd have spoken to anybody who has been watching Moto2 at the beginning of this year, it would have been a case of, yeah, Sam Lowe's is going to win the world championship this year. He's on Moto a piece 2. of paper too. That, exactly. That, that was <laughs> it. Um, what do you think's happened, Neil? What's, what's, what's going on with Sam? I mean, I honestly don't think that Sam has had like such a bad season. I think it's actually been pretty, pretty decent all in all. Um, okay, he's had three he's crashes. Fourth. Hmm. He's fourth, yeah, at the moment. He's had, you know, two wins. He's had a further podium. Um, okay, he had those three crashes, and that is unfortunate, obviously. Um, I, but there were three, three races that he definitely could have at least finished on the podium, maybe even one. Hmm. Um, that obviously was an issue and you know sam maybe hasn't always been the most consistent guy in the past so it's it's a shame because of that but if you put those three crashes you know let's say finish third in each of those races he would be right up there, He'd be up there. um and in kind of recent weekends when he hasn't been quite there or quite on the pace he still managed to finish inside the top seven yeah um you know he rescued a fifth place in in the saxon ring i think he was 14th on uh, the second lap or something. So I think he's riding, he's riding well. Um, the mistakes were obviously unfortunate, but I think that Moto2, the level has just moved on this year. I think mm. Raul and, and Remy are ahead of the game more so than say Luca Marini and Ine Bastianini were last year. I think Moto2 yeah. is just a more difficult class this year, just because the two strongest guys are so fast and so consistent. So if you're Sam Lowe's and you're sitting there, he obviously, there's I've not heard much talk about him give it, having another shot at MotoGP. Obviously, we've got these other young guys that are going to go up next year. If you're Sam Lowe's, do you sit there and, I mean, he's going to be in Moto2 again next year? I'm trying to think of what he's thinking. You know, yeah, like you, where, where's his aspiration? Yeah. yeah, what's he trying to uh-huh. drive for? I mean, yeah, I think he was... That was maybe something that was a frustration for him earlier in the year because, you know, when he won the two races in Qatar, lots of talk was revolving around Fernandez and Gian Antonio and Bezecchi getting the chance in MotoGP mm-hmm. next year and Remy, obviously. And, and you know, Sam was kind of out of the conversation. Um, and, I mean, like, he's, he's obviously, he's clearly one of the fastest guys in Moto2. Dorna needs a British rider in MotoGP. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been a lot of talk about Jake Dixon, but if you're well, that's what I was at, gonna say next, yeah. If you're looking at recent results, I think you know you would you would have to put Sam on a MotoGP bike ahead of, of Jake. But I think it's just the fact that um, I think Sam's 30 now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a spring chicken in relative terms. He used and to better all of us. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> but um, and and yeah. as unfair as it is. You know, that experience in 2017 with Aprilia, I mean, they did not treat him well at all. He never really got a free... Uh, uh, How long was real... it? Was he there for a season or was it only because mm. I wasn't watching? Oh, and it was one yeah. season and it was just like, yeah. drop back. Exactly. That's exactly, a shame. Yeah. And after, you know, I think five, six races, they were already floating the idea of replacing him. Mm. It was just a horrible environment. Motivating. For him working. Mm. So I don't really think he had a, a fair crack of it, but... You do get the impression that people have judged him on that one year mm-hmm. MotoGP as okay, yeah, he's not, he's not at this level, which I think is, is really unfair. But then this is such a, um, I mean, it's a brutal business, you know. Like you, 
so many tales of people not getting second chances. So, yeah. but then, like you said, the if, if like so, BT, you know, keen to get Jake up there, why not Sam? Is it more about the passport, or they just really like Jake? I think it's the age, the um, age thing. I think, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, from but what I can tell, it, you know, the, Jake, the, I think it's you know, young twenties, uh, yeah. early twenties. Sorry, and then no. yep. And on the flip side yeah. of the coin, like realistically, you, you so you've. That, that yeah, that's that's a fair assessment of Sam. But the flip side of the coin, if you're Jake right now, and you've you've had a bunch of DNFs, a, a couple of a couple of slow starts to the year because your you, your wrist is healing, um, you're not competitive, and yet you're still being spoken about uh, to go to MotoGP. What are you thinking when you're Jake Dixon? You know, it's it, it's a crazy top, topsy turvy world, isn't it? I know. Yeah, it is. It is strange. Um, I mean, Jake is what twenty first in the championship. Yeah, it, wow. You know, I, think, I think he would be the first to admit that it's it's not really gone to plan. Um, and you do wonder whether that sort of promise of of a MotoGP ride has maybe put a little bit of extra pressure mm-hmm. on him, where he's sort of thinking, oh, if, if only I can get like a couple of good results, mm-hmm. you know, before the summer break. If only I could get like a couple of top sixes, then I might, yeah. you know, really be in the frame for this MotoGP ride. Yeah. <clears throat> and maybe that sort he- of works against. Do you think he really has does have to have a couple of those results by the end of the year to guarantee that move? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think he's. Yeah. At the moment, it would be. It'd be tough to imagine. I might be wrong. Um, and Mamo might know a bit more about the, the kind of the current conversations going on uh, in Patronus with regards to their MotoGP lineup for next year. But I would say in the current, as it stands, it would be difficult. I think to to see him stepping up. But we, we know he's a capable rider. Um, well, last year I, showed that he's a top six, maybe a, a podium rider in Moto2. And with the, the kind of the, the right circumstances, could be maybe even a race winner in the class. Well, like um, Manuel, Manuel said last week, he all he needs is one or two okay results and everyone's going to forget the first half of the season and off he'll go. Oh, yeah. Look, the, the, you, you are worth your last result. This is mm. uh, one of the... One of yep. the headlines in racing, yep. and I, I want to comment uh, about about Sam. Uh, Neil underlined that he has done top seven in all the mm. races. No, Sam. Yeah, I think uh, you have to ask for much more than top seven from uh, uh, Sam Lowe's, okay? Because he has started winning, and then he had those crashes, and I think he switched to the mode. I have to start to add points, right? Mm-hmm. He switched to add points mode. Finish the race, yeah. A challenger can't finish seventh. You know, it's there, there are some is clearly one of the fastest riders in, in the category by far. This is clear. Mm. But his results now are, in my opinion, and looking from outside, very disappointing. I can understand that he's uh, racing to. His DNF for this season have completed, have been completed, right? But he has to give more. And for me, it's a surprise because Sam is a guy that has always been very aggressive, very much forward guy, going forward guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, there is something I don't understand very well. And regarding him going to MotoGP, look, forget it. Don't even put it on the table. Mm. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. If you think, I know that there is the heart, but let's look at the thing with an engineering way, with, you know, he's 30. Yeah. Look the result he is doing. And he had the bad luck to have been there in that Aprilia project in the worst moment. 
Yeah. The worst moment. This was like uh, to bury him, you know? It's like happening with Salvadori. It's yes. the same. If you get off on the wrong bike, you are done. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's the problem. So uh, some will never return to MotoGP, in my opinion. When? Why? Is he doing super results? No. Yep. Is he with 30? Okay. How long will his career? Three years, four years. It sounds harsh, but you don't have to let that your feelings or personal yeah. feeling interfere in the reality, in my Fair opinion. Enough. And yeah, and some in the second part of the season, I expect some returning and being there fighting for the podium in each race. Yep. I am sure that he will try to do this. Mm-hmm. And in, the case of, in the case of Jake Dixon, the contracts for next year will be closed latest in September. So Jake has to show, if, if Jake shows something in Austin or in Thailand or in Malaysia, it's too late. He has to show it in the next three races. So he's, I was going to say he's chance. got three races. He's got Austria and Silverstone. Yes, he had these Austria and Silverstone, which I imagine that he knows That's very his well. Favorite, yeah, he yep. can be fast, but he has to show it now mm. because if not, the train is leaving the station and he's not on the train yet. And so there's extra pressure, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, well, Andras, from... it's not pressure. It's their job. Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yes, very you true. Have, you, you have your pressure at the, pressure, pressure, pressure. No, hey, no, no, but like Neil was saying, he can't just go out and race his best race because he's got all that in the back of his head that he has to perform <sighs> yeah. in that. If you, don't, that. if you don't want to have the pressure, don't turn into mm. a professional rider yeah it's your yep. you have to do the best yeah. result possible and this exactly. is what it is to be a rider mm. so so we know that or we think that's so I, I i always get caught by saying we know but no we think <laughs> that there's there's still some spots up for grabs in in the top flight in motor gp for 2022 um do you think we might see <laughs> neil any more guys from moto 2 stepping up like oh, there's talk obviously around the vr46 team um you know and one of those one of those vr46 riders from moto 2 coming up um do you think there's going to be any any other surprises that we might see from moto 2 go up to the top class next year i mean a surprise for me is uh De Gian antonio i mean he's going yes. up with, with grassini i would be in the camp that would say he's rather fortunate to have earned that ride um, because aside from his race in Jerez, which was outstanding, absolutely outstanding, oh, he hasn't really offered that much, has he? I mean, mm, like you exactly. look at his recent results, there's been what three DNFs in the past four. Yep. He had the pace to he had the pace to fight with Remy and Raul in the Saxon ring, yet was never in contention during that race. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I kind of feel that. I mean, he and his manager played an absolute blinder when they signed with Grissini for this year with the clause to step up to MotoGP uh, in 2022. I mean, that was a fantastic bit of business. Chapeau yep. there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously still some uncertainty with regards to Marco Bezzecchi and what he'll do next year. Will yep. he be racing with the VR46 team? Uh, would he maybe be considered for Yamaha if, um, if you know, the VR46 team isn't the option for him mm-hmm. i mean it's um i don't know it's it's tough to say but no i don't really see any other other names from model two um being in contention other than the ones that we've mentioned mm-hmm. yeah do you think oh, in the next year or so do you think we might see augusto fernandez 
up there because he's he's had some really good rides. He he looks like a very promising rider. He does, yeah. Although he's coming off the back of you know a tough year and a half, really. Yeah. I mean, we were expecting Augusto. He signed for Mark VDS at the end of uh, what 2019 in kind of acrimonious circumstances. He left Cedo Ponce's team, even though he had a contract for. The next year with Cedo to leave to go to Morphe DS and we thought oh okay well you know he's gonna he's gonna kick on he's gonna fight for the championship but he, he wasn't really ever ever there and it was only an asset I think that um, he got back in the podium so yeah we would need to see more I think from Augusto um, before that conversation starts but yeah you would say he's, he's one of the guys that might have the talent to make it eventually you yeah. know you know what I have been speaking <clears throat> with some MotoGP riders and all of them Mention the name that will be a surprise. Mention the name as a look at him because he's doing very well and he will be fast on the MotoGP. And it, for me, it was a surprise. And this name is Joe Roberts. All these riders think what? that Joe rides huh? rides very MotoGP style mm -hmm. and that he could do very well. For me, really, it was a surprise. And they say, no, 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 don't be mistaken. Have a look. Joe mm -hmm. is is a fast guy, okay. And in the case in the case of Di Gian Antonio, the problem of Di Gian Antonio that his head is already in MotoGP. You know, mm -hmm. he's, ah, he's not racing right. Moto Two for the championship like Hungary. He is already thinking mm -hmm. that, that that's that's the problem. Yeah, of I never that they never they, thought they of that. Have, man. Well, yeah. Do you think he's racing for Moto2? No, he's racing. He goes out and races and, mm. you know, he knows that doing any result, he will be MotoGP. Yep. So he's basically got a six-month-long summer holiday coming up. Yeah, or racing for <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. You just because go out and have fun. His, yeah, he has his deal done. And the story of GD Giannatione is very funny because he was... Some years ago, I don't know how many, he was a Gressini racer, a mm -hmm. Team Gressini, right? Then he left the Team Gressini to, and he took Team Gressini to court. Oh. Yes. So they, really? they were having a, a big issue in court. <clears throat> and being in court, both <laughs> Gressini uh, spoke with him and he returned to the team. And then oh. they canceled... They cancelled what was in the in the forum, you know. So wow. really, an Italian, an Italian story. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that's very Italian, isn't it? Yeah, we're best friends yeah. now. Now we hate each other. Uh -huh. Now we're best friends. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more or less, it was like this. And he returned, and by returning, he got signed the contract that if in the middle of this season he he was in a certain position in the championship, mm -hmm. he automatically would step up. And it seems that this position was, uh, he yeah. was in that situation. <laughs> yep. So he was promoted, but really on the track and, and to be realistic, it, he has not deserved to. Yeah. To he did what he needed to do. And, and you say that, that situation there, Manuel, where he's not fighting for anything, but that's, that's I mean, he should be. He, he has everything at his disposal this year. He's got a Calax chassis. Mm. Um, he's got the team. He's got the experience now. This is his third year in Model 2. It, it shouldn't be this way that he's mm. he's kind of just waiting yeah, for Model 2. Yeah, but it's attitude. This is his uh, chance, yeah. 
Yeah, because you see, uh, Remy <clears throat> could be exactly in the same situation, but Remy go out every race and Keeps he writes mm -hmm. his ass off, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Neil, Neil, can you just quickly just want to go back to Joe Roberts because he's another person that I was really expecting a lot out of mm. this season, definitely. And it's been very disappointing. He's falling off a lot and just making silly mistakes. What do you think's going on there? I think it was uh, I think it was good up until Mugello, where he kind of cruelly lost that third place on the last lap mm. because he yeah. exceeded oh. track limits by yes. this much. But then the last the last three races were pretty difficult, I think. And I think mm -hmm. Joe is one of those guys that puts a real lot of pressure on himself, and also maybe um, finds it difficult to um, I don't know. It, it was quite interesting last year when you when he was approached by Aprilia. Um, uh, at Portimao to ride a MotoGP this year. And mm. uh, I remember speaking to him over that weekend and he was kind of saying stuff like, ah, oh, you know, I just, I don't deserve it. And do the accent. Sometimes, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I won't embarrass myself further. Uh, yeah. it, it's like certain riders have this automatic setting in their brain where it's like, I am the best, I deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. And yep. you sometimes get the impression that Joe sometimes has to convince himself that he is worthy of he takes a bit to bounce back if standing. he has a bad race he seems to really struggle to bounce back like he, mm, he yeah. it's almost like he starts that race thinking about the last one instead of clean slate let's do this yeah um and i think you know up until recently like his name was still in the mix mm. for maybe the apprentice seat next year mm -hmm. um and you just wonder whether that sort of thought of oh if i could just win a race maybe mm. this would lead to a signing for MotoGP next year whether that had some kind of effect on him um i think also he's in he's in an all italian team and he's working with um giovanni sandy i don't know if you know him manuel uh, like oh old sandy, yes it's a, a myth he's a myth uh, it, championship exactly like uh you know was an engineer with Aprilia in the 90s and worked with Biaggi and all these guys, but doesn't really speak any English, you know, speaks very limited English. And you just wonder whether that... Does Joe speak Italian? Language barrier. No. Yeah, oh. I don't think How does that work? They draw pictures? So, like this. They... <laughs> Yeah, I think Giovanni's. That's what we see on the TV when he goes and sits down and he just goes... Yeah, <laughs> that's go. all he has. Yeah, yep. yeah, that, right. that, yeah, could, that could be tough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there are obviously other people in the team that speak English, and I think they're able to they're able to translate. But You're still, not going to get the whole it must, message. It must be it must be difficult to have that real sort of intimate. Yeah, know, a rider and a crew chief for kind of almost as one. They they know exactly what the other person's mm -hmm. thinking. It must be quite difficult when there's that language barrier mm -hmm. in that situation. You wonder whether that is maybe something that's. Um, just a, a little influence on, on what's going on there. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, uh, mate, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Before we wrap up, I'll, uh, we have we have touched on some of the moves up to MotoGP a, a little bit while we've been chatting today. Um, last week, I'm, I'm sure you watched the whole episode from last week, but for everybody that hasn't seen it, we uh, we we yep, yeah, of course we we had the uh, the wrap up of what we thought of the uh, the, the moves within MotoGP for for 2022. Uh, what are what are your views on some of the some of the moves that you think may be most likely or haven't been announced yet, or or even some of the ones that have have been announced? What do you think about the the twenty twenty two rider lineup in MotoGP? 
I mean, it's pretty exciting, really. What we, what we thought was uh, more or less all scheduled to take place is now kind of been blown apart. Yeah. Um, and I mean, when you see some of the names that are being linked or being discussed as potential replacements for Maverick or for Valentino, mm-hmm. I mean, I saw in the British press that um, Johnny Ray was being linked. Um, I was all that, yeah. That, yeah. Um, as well as, you know, one or two others. So, you know, yeah. the likes of Garrett Gerloff, for example. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be quite exciting to see someone from Superbikes come over. Yeah, um, Top Rack's been mentioned a few times. He obviously turned that seat down, uh, which yeah. is quite perplexing. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very exciting. And I mean, what, what will Maverick do is, a, is another pretty interesting... What if he doesn't get a um, seat anywhere? Is that a possibility well, that no one well, will take him? No. I don't think so. Oh. Get a seat somewhere. Where, Manuel, where do you think... No, in the last days, uh, Ducati has said that he, there, there is no place for Maverick in the Ducati <coughs> family. Right. So not in, not in the VR46 team? Nowhere. I, I am still surprised about that, but they said it. Davide Tardozzi apparently said it officially. Mm. Okay. So uh, I have spoken also with the Aprilia people in the last days. Mm-hmm. And they are pushing to the maximum to have um, a Maverick in the team. And the one who is pushing more, I don't know if I explained this to you the last episode, is Aleix Espargaro. Yeah, because they were teammates at Suzuki, mm-hmm. as you were saying. That's right. And that brings the whole gang back together. Yeah, they fly together in their private jet to the races. The two uh, Espargaro brothers and Maverick, they Bloody leave God. Andorra together. <laughs> Yeah, back and forward, and they, obviously they know they speak. So, Aleish is very is the one who is pushing more for mm. that. Mm. We will see. We will see what what Maverick does. When do you think? You when will we hear? When will we hear something? Is that what we've been, wait, we've been waiting for for the last we week that indeed. you won't tell us? With Maverick, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> indeed. Yep. What else? What else now? What other what other moves do you think are, are out and about? What about Rins? Do you think Rins will remain with Suzuki, or are we going to see a move there? Uh, I mean, he's got a contract for next year, so I, I, you know, Suzuki doesn't seem to me like the kind of um, the kind of factory that would uh, that would rip up that contract. Um, so yeah, I think Rins is, is set to set to be there. I mean, I think it's quite interesting. There's obviously been lots of talk about Ralph Fernandez, and I think it, it seems yeah. pretty likely now that he's going to be on Tech 3 KTM next year. So Remy and Raul will continue being teammates in 2022. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be super interesting, um, just seeing how Raul can you know, deal with such a, a rapid kind of uh, ascension. In, Do you think he's going to go up, Neil, next year? I think it, it, everything points to that, yeah. Yeah, it does look like that is um, that is going to happen. I think Manuel owes um, me a beer if that happens. <laughs> I think you will pay me a lot of beers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get together and drink lots of beers. <laughs> so if if not him, then who's the option? It's it's got to be Danilo still, right? He'd stay. Yeah. I think yeah, so, look, yeah. everything. Yeah, everything now is uh, speculation. We can yeah. just uh, Raúl said, for example, in Assen was the last race. He said, KTM wanted me to step up, but 99% I want con- I will continue in Moto2 because mm. Raul wants to stay in Moto2. For me, it would be a mistake, but anyhow. But then he said also, in any case, in the summer break, we will discuss this in KTM. 
So this one percent may happen. Yeah, may go whoop. If the boss says, because KTM, their contract is, I put you on the bike, I decide. Yeah, you know, basically, exactly. it's it's that that way that way yeah. around. And uh, I I have I was just thinking. Look, in the last years, we have seen two super top guys. Um, how do you say? Uh, cutting their contracts they had. One was Jorge Lorenzo with Honda. Yep. Who had a two-year mm -hmm. contract and said, "I leave," and now Maverick having another millionaire contract with Yamaha. Mm -hmm. I leave. So. You know, the things are changing in MotoGP because it was so strange to imagine. So people still ask me, how can Maverick give away an 8 million euros contract? It's not about the money. Because first, they don't know Maverick. Maverick doesn't move by money. Mm, exactly. And None second, of these guys do. And second, he has enough money. Okay, 8 million uh, are 8 million, but he has enough. Look, uh, let me explain you a, a short anecdote. When he went... When he signed this contract, he just broke with Yamaha. He went to Japan. Mm -hmm. He was just wanting to renew the contract. And when he returned, he, he told me, wow, without even asking, I got two million more. Ah. <laughs> without Cause, even just because he went there. Yeah, no, he, they, Sorry, as I say, so you mentioned that and then what um, Lorenzo did. Do you think that that will impact the length of contracts moving forward or they're just probably, I suppose, they're breaking the contract. So that's not going to impact the riders the one breaking the contract, they, they, not the... They, they were allowed to break the contracts because the results were okay. under the what the team, the team expected. Mm. Okay, that's why they allowed. But I can imagine that Honda <laughs> would allow Lorenzo to pay the contract to go back to Ducati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was yep. also a benefit for the brand. Mm -hmm. Way out case. for them as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to, to quickly ask, Neil, is is the um, the void at Yamaha. It, it, who do you think is going to fill that 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 Patronus seat? You know, we're, we're seeing maybe Morbidelli might go up to the up to the monster team. And there's going to be there's going to be a big you know two seats maybe at at, um, at Petronas, so you know is it going to be Jake or, or who else is going to be who do you think is most likely to be in that Petronas team next year? Um, I think <clears throat> Garrett Gerloff is probably a name that you would uh, say is a decent chance of, of being there. Um, I mean he's been really impressive in World Superbikes recently. Obviously, having an American in the Premier class would be a, a big thing for yeah. the series. Talking about passports, for, yeah. Or Yamaha, um, and you know Garrett has shown recently that he's no mug. Um, mm -hmm. You know he was quite impressed with Aston really um, when mm -hmm. he stepped in for Franco. Um, also, um, he's been going to places like Donington Park, like quite difficult tracks in World Superbikes, and being on the podium in his first weekend there. So you know he's mm -hmm. clearly got a, an ability to learn quite quickly. I think that makes sense on, on all fronts. Yep. Um, and then beyond that, I'm honestly not really too sure. It's it's it seems like yeah. such a lottery. So many names being bandied around. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to know. But I it mean, is. you know, first of all, you have to find out. You know, is is Franco going to stay there next year? Because it seems that mm -hmm. the team are putting out messages that that's far from a certainty. Um, but um, but you know, if Yamaha basically decides that they want him in the factory team, then I, you know they could probably pay Petronas quite a lot of money or give them some kind of discount on next year's package to allow that to happen. So. I mean, there's yeah, lots of interesting 
uh, lots of interesting angles still yet to be confirmed. Indeed, indeed. And the Neil, 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 the option of Johnny Ray, do you think it's serious? I mean, I. it's tough to say. I mean, it was reported by, uh, you know, I think it came from Johan Stigerfeld, Um, and you never know whether he's just putting names out there to try and distract, but it was yeah. an interview with, with Matt Burt from Motorcycle News. Matt Burt, obviously, is a very credible journalist with uh, very good sources. And Johnny Ray, I think, for a long time, has thought if the right offer is there for MotoGP, he would take it. He's done everything he, he can possibly do in World Superbikes. He's smashed every single record to smithereens. Um, I think he would definitely, if he would be up for it, it's just about whether Yamaha would be willing to take on a, a guy that has such limited Grand Prix experience at his age. Yeah. Does you anyone know, ever look at Alex bring Lowe's? Up the age thing, yeah. Does Alex Lowe's ever make it into these discussions? I don't think so. Because he's up there, isn't he, in World Superbikes? He seems to be achieving. Hmm. He's yeah, right, he's well, so is Scott Redding, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, have, I don't think, um, I haven't heard of Alex Lowe's being mentioned in this conversation um, or Scott. So mm. I don't know. But yeah, the Johnny one's an interesting one. There was a situation in 2017, Manuel might remember when things were going horribly with Suzuki and Iannone at the time. And there was talk of maybe Iannone leaving at the end of 2017. In the end, it didn't happen. But, you know, Johnny Ray was really quite eager at that point to to take over that seat if possible. He does have a clause in his contract in World Superbike apparently that would allow him to leave the Kawasaki team if a, if a MotoGP offer came up. So I would say... I'm clearly thinking about it then. Yeah, but don't you think it should be... should be an official offer going to Petronas team and you don't know, imagine they give him a two old, two years old bike like they do with Morbidelli. He's not going to want that. He's a world champion. Claro. If he comes, he probably would be to, to be in a factory team. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the super bike riders, it's very, it's really a, a gamble, you know, because the guy who has impressed more in Superbike before Johnny was um, the Texan who um, Colin Edwards. Colin Edwards. Or Spies. Spies. Oh, yeah. Bees, Spies, when he when he arrived in, he first win everything in the US. Then he came to World Superbike and massacred everyone. Mm -hmm. And there has been no really Superbike rider who has done well in in Grand Prix. And this is always a risk because I don't know why. If the levels are different, if the bikes are so different, but uh, you know it's super risky, super risky to yep. to take a, a world superbike rider with this age, with no time to really grow. Mm. You know, hmm. could be more but, a marketing stuff. But you know, you're talking about the best world superbike racer ever, and yeah. a guy with a, a riding style that. Could be pretty good for a Yamaha. Um, yes, I think the age obviously counts against Johnny, but I don't know. Um, mm. I think would it would be interesting. I, would be very would be interesting. interesting. I, yeah, I would like to see. Yeah, see. I'd like to see a, a couple of seasons in uh, MotoGP. Might finish him off nicely, indeed. Look, guys, it's been absolutely wonderful having this chat uh, today. Thank you so much, Neil, for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday. What, what have you got up uh, up your sleeve for the for the next few weeks, mate? 
Uh, I think there's a bit of relaxing by the beach. There might be a few glasses of sangria imbibed during that time. <laughs> Just a few. Uh, <laughs> perhaps, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got plans to go. My girlfriend is French, so plans to go and meet uh, her family at the end of July. So I'm also oh. doing um, French language classes to try and sound in some way presentable. to. The, I can, uh, I can the... help you out with that. I'm pretty oui, oui, oh, yeah. baguette. <laughs> <laughs> oh la la, we have to say oh la la. Oh la la. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, mate, you, you have an absolutely amazing break, and we look forward to uh, hearing Thanks, your dulcet tones on uh, on the TV again soon. And no um, more bag and Bon Jovi. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I heard the other I heard the other day, surely they, they must be at least three quarters of the way there by now, right? Bon Jovi. <laughs> that, it's been that long. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. past halfway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, indeed. So, look, uh, Andrew, before we go, have you got any messages for the uh, for the viewers and listeners out there? I don't actually, but um, all I want to say is I've heard that Danny Pedrosa might get the wild card in the next race. Is that? Yeah, it, I heard that too. You might get a wild card. So I'm looking forward that's to seeing the, that. Yeah, that's the typical uh, we say here in Spain. Uh, pay attention, the wolf comes, the wolf comes. And at the end, they advertise it so much that when the wolf comes, nobody yeah. uh, trusts. So oh, we don't know God. what is going to happen with Danny. All right, we'll wait and see. But I am grateful. I know it's been a bit boring these last few weeks for us lay, laymen, <laughs> lay types over here. But, lay persons. Lay persons, but we've got lots to talk about with all these seats happening. And I'm just going to go back and watch some old races. If anyone's got any recommendations, let me know. And um, what do we got? Is it three weeks to go? We've got another three and a bit weeks. That's right. Yes. We're like, oh, and Manuel and Neil were like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, a holiday mm. like mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plus, it's, plus it's winter here in Australia. So, you know. Yeah, it's horrible. We got nothing as soon, to do. As soon as I finish this, I'm 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 putting my dressing gown back on. I'm I'm freezing my uh, <laughs> off here in this t-shirt. It's horrible. <laughs> Indeed. So look, ladies and gentlemen, okay, guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Neil. Gracias. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Manuel. Make sure you uh, hit the uh, hit the like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, check out all the socials. Uh, check out the Pacino report. Check out uh, PacinoGP.com, and make sure you watch some of those races from the last few years. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye.